Programming Notes episodes, the general concept is that you can get an extended summary of episodes if you decide that you'd rather have that than listen to the episodes themselves, as well as some notes about what's going on in the community or how you can be helpful and useful in the community. Programming notes for the week of March 12th, 2023. So my call to action this week is to go write a single post on LinkedIn about data mesh. Spend three minutes to go and put your thoughts out there and ask others to have like an actual call with you. Literally everyone I talk to for this wants to chat with more people, but seemingly no one is even making a call out to say, please come talk to me. Do it in the Slack too. Ask people to just jump on a call and spend some time with you. It may not be, you know, I want to talk to this exact person or whatever, and you're not going to necessarily get that, especially (laughs) the number of people who tell me, hey, Scott, can you set up a call with Schmack? No, I can't. But um, that there's a lot of people that you can meet and learn and exchange a lot of information with and that you can just get into the mode of making the ask. People in data are really too concerned with how they're perceived. Stop caring. I stopped caring and and look at what's kind of come from it, right? I'm here to just learn. And it's really, really valuable to have that kind of a mindset. So I'll get off my soapbox. What's on tap for this week? On Monday, episode 204, driving towards data-driven, how to add more data to your org's decisions. This is an interview with Stephen Galsworthy. So it's just a fun and relaxed conversation with Stephen about how can we get over the hump towards actually being data-driven. He's worked at many orgs where data was an absolutely crucial aspect of their business, but it was you know, creating data to create their product, but that didn't mean they had really good data on how people were actually using their products. It was just that their product was a data-intensive kind of thing that they needed. So this is a lot about how to align, how to start to align yourself to get at the information you need to run better experiments, have better information about your products and how people are using them so you can drive towards uh, creating better products. And then on Friday, episode 205, the Gartner Drama Files, which is Mesh Musings number 45. So honestly, this is something where I'm just finally just going to call out people very specifically, right? Uh, I've seen a Gartner analyst and, you know, kind of hanger on um, claiming Gartner created the data mesh concept. Clearly not at all true in my book, but it's time to tell the story and let people kind of decide for themselves. You know, the episode goes into that, the, the whole fact that they were for a while undermining the concept and then trying to conflate data mesh and data fabric. And, and then the whole data mesh is obsolete hype cycle thing. Hopefully this is the last I really have to see and people start correcting people who make these spurious claims and try to confuse people uh, about things for their own benefit. But I think it's also important to kind of get it out there and uh, end a lot of the the confusion around this and just be able to move past it because it's 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 silly to see people trying to, to take credit when it's clearly not true. But you know, especially with the hype cycle thing and stuff like that, certain people in your organization may be listening to Gartner and 
you may have to actually push back on what are they saying. So I think this this can kind of help to you to frame that and think about that conversation. So with that, on to the extended summary for Stephen's episode. Extended summary for episode 204, Driving Towards Data-Driven, How to Add More Data to Your Org's Decisions, interview with Stephen Galsworthy. So in this episode, I interviewed Stephen, who's the former head of data at TomTom. Obviously, given he's no longer with the company, he was only representing his own views. (laughs) Stephen started off with a bit about his background and working for companies consolidating information into a product they sell, such as TomTom taking in tons of data to create maps to sell. However, using data as a key aspect of your products doesn't necessarily translate into collecting and analyzing information about how your products are actually used, which would allow you to drive improvements like new features or even new products. Organizations that are focused on obtaining and analyzing information on usage and other market dynamics are likely to be those that win in the market more often going forward. Their user experience knowledge is going to be a much tighter feedback loop, so they're going to be able to iterate quickly. The AI flywheel is something Stephen mentioned that can create a virtuous cycle. You're creating data around interaction points with your products that feed AI to make the products better. The better they are, the more people interact with them, generating more interaction points, meaning you can make the product even better. Essentially, Collecting and analyzing data to make your product better leads to you make your product better, leads to more people use the product, leads to more data to analyze to make your product better, right? It just keeps being a cycle that's better and better. However, if it's not inherently part of your business model, trying to pivot to that information gathering practice can be a tough tough sell for customers and or partners. Often times, partners aren't even allowed to hand over the necessary data about usage. So think about how you'll effectively collect data as early as possible. Even if you don't start collecting it, then think about how you could around product user experience. You know, there's obviously we've talked about ethics and things like that. Historically, there's certain things that are ethics related, but if it's just is this a good user experience? That's a pretty ethical reason to be collecting data. A good way to build momentum around the importance of data to an organization is start small, according to Stephen. It might sound great to try to convert the entire organization to being data-driven at once, but Rome wasn't built in a day, just like all these data mesh implementations. You know, show some successes from working with data, find something that couldn't have been done without leveraging data like a a new product, and then share those successes internally and encourage more parts of the organization to try leveraging data. Stephen believes that data should rarely be the deciding factor in decisions. The human in the loop is crucial, and it's crucial to make that clear to execs. You don't want them to think that data is a magic wand or a silver bullet, but they also don't want the data making the decision for them. Data is a touch point in decisions. It's used to create better feedback loops as you iterate towards good solutions. 
Leveraging data well often isn't really about making the right call at the very start. It's about finding better and better ways and iterating towards that. It's very important to frame the role of data in your organization well. It's what differentiates high-performing organizations in many cases based on Stephen's history. Again, it's not a silver bullet, but data makes it so you can make smaller bets to quickly get to a better solution via tight test, learn, and then iterate loops. Again, you want to create a, a data companion to, or you want to make data a companion to execs instead of an either or, you know, to their intuition and experience. Data can help them arrive on the right decision, you know, somewhat upfront, but also once you're kind of moving down the path, it can help you to better navigate the path as you're moving forward. Stephen laid out a data maturity journey for an organization or a team. You need to start with collecting data. It seems obvious, but you need mechanisms to actually collect data as noted earlier. Once you start collecting data, you need to become you know, the most data-driven team, or you don't need to become the most data-driven team in the world overnight, right? Start to process and analyze the data, find bits of information and insights to assist you as you decide if there should be a formal data analyst or data scientist on the team or not. But again, you don't need to go from we've got data, now we're, you know, really cooking and we're doing absolutely everything data-driven. It's, it's a process. So from there, drive to faster experimentation and, and improve. The faster you can get solid information and iterate, the better. That will naturally lead to more data democratization as people see the value of data and want to get involved. That can easily build from you know, a single team level up to a larger organization level as well. But it's a journey. It's not a, flip, a switch to flip. Being cognizant of the cost of data acquisition has been relatively easy for Stephen since his past employers have been involved in kind of that hardware and IoT space, and there was a distinct cost to pipe that data back into the organization. But it's easy to lose sight of the cost of data collection for many organizations. He recommends looking at what data you want to collect by specifically what you want to figure out and why it might inform a decision. Just collecting data for the sake of data isn't good. You know, personal note here, you really want to have these conversations as early as possible about what data you would want to collect or what, what questions you would want to ask, because the earlier you have the data, the more you can shape your decisions. If XYZ metric will be crucial for a decision in six months, you don't want to start collecting the data in six months. So start to really shoot ahead and, and really think about what is my path of the data I need to collect. For Stephen, the challenge of data-producing teams understanding downstream dependencies on their data is getting better, but it, it's still not fixed. But we shouldn't focus on just understanding who is using our data. It's That's kind of the difference between producing data and producing data as a product. If you are producing data as a product, you should be actually interacting with your consumers. So it's inherent that you should know who is consuming, and crucially, you know why they are consuming. This is something that's been wrapped into a lot of conversations. It's like, if we just know who and not why, are we really dealing with data like we would in, in a product sense? 
But there is, of course, a cost to producing data as a product as well. Lots of engineering time, especially if you don't have the tooling and the capabilities, you know, easily at hand right now. So that producing data as a product should be incentivized, whether you're doing data mesh or not. The best incentive, the best carrot rather than stick, for getting teams to really work on sharing their data as a product has been the insights flywheel from Stephen's point of view. The team sharing the data, if the consumers then generate many useful insights that are helpful back to that producing team, that's how, you know, uh, data at an organization-wide scale hopefully works. You know, that kind of one plus one plus one plus one, it, it's not four, it's, it's 10, right? That kind of approach, but it's also hard to make sure that will happen and that teams make sure to give information back to the producing team as appropriate. You want to try try to foster an org culture of if another team wins with, from my data, that is a win for our team too. But it's easier said than done, and you know, in the Oregon incentive structure. So, you know, Stephen talked about this problem of these really, really long um, downstream chains between when that data uh, is produced, and you know, it hands off between five, ten teams, or something like that, before it produces anything that could be useful back to the producing team. Look for those mutually beneficial use cases for the producing team and con downstream consuming teams. Really look to solidify those because those like multiple, multiple handoffs, everybody knows that there's tons of value leakage there, right? <laughs> lots and lots of problems. Anyway, I won't, I won't uh, <laughs> go off anymore on a tangent. So in wrapping up, Stephen talked about how you can get a, a team that isn't data-driven to start heading down the pathway. There was the data maturity journey mentioned earlier, but this is about developing a passion in someone on that team for data and then letting their enthusiasm for and the results from data get everyone else on board. You have to deploy someone, you, you may have to deploy someone into that team, but make sure there is someone in the team driving them to be more data-driven because of passion instead of simply trying to use that stick to, to get them to do what you want. <laughs> 